0: This morning I titled my message, Self-Denial for the Good of Others. Are we willing to deny ourselves, to deny our comforts, to deny the things that we hold dear for the good of others? So I hope that we are willing to do that. Let's begin with a, a word of prayer this morning because as I work through this, I probably, you know how I do sometimes, do some preaching on the way through. So let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we thank You and praise You. We thank You for Your Son that walked upon this earth and lived a completely sinless life. Completely. And we thank You that He was willing to suffer and die on our behalf. That we can have life. That we can have life now then we have the hope of eternal life when Jesus returns and sets up His kingdom. We thank You that we have that hope when we believe in Your Son Jesus Christ, that wonderful Lamb of God. Father, I just thank You for the love that You've given each of us, that You show each of us. Thank You for the love that's in this church and for the love for all those that are are listening and watching. And Father, I just pray that Your Spirit would be in this place this morning. I pray that You would open our hearts and our minds to receive what You have for us, Father. Father God, that we would grow in our faith and our understanding, but we would use it for Your glory and for Your honor. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to begin with 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 through 12, and then skip down to verses 19 through 27. We are going to be reading from the New Living Translation this morning. Uh, I generally try to send my information to Rosanna in the middle of the week, but uh, I was a little bit late. And then after I was sitting there yesterday evening and realized I forgot to tell her this was the New Living Translation. And I called her just in the nick of time. So hear the word of the Lord this morning. Am I not as free as anyone else? Am I not an apostle? Haven't I seen Jesus our Lord with my own eyes? Isn't it because of my work that you belong to the Lord? So Paul's saying, Is it not because that I brought the gospel message to you that you belong to the Lord? He's speaking to the Corinthian church again. He says, Even if others think I am not an apostle, I certainly am to you. You yourselves are proof that I am the Lord's Apostle. This is my answer to those who question my authority. Don't we have the right to live in your homes and share your meals? Don't we have the right to bring Christian wives with us as other disciples and the Lord's brothers do? And as does Peter? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have to work to support ourselves? What soldier has to pay his own expenses? Think about that for a moment as I pause. Could you imagine you're a young man or young woman, you're going to go down and you're going to see the army recruiter. You go in there and you sit down and he says, how can I help you? Well, I'd like to enlist. Well, you're going to have to go out there and raise some money because you're going to have to pay your own way. You know, you're know, you going to have to raise $1,000 a month so we can afford to feed you while you're in here. Oh, and by the way, you've got to buy your own weapons. Could you imagine? Isn't that ridiculous, right? What soldier is going to pay his own way? Well, I can tell you some soldiers that pay their own way. Soldiers of the cross. How many missionaries go out? They raise their own funds to buy their own plane tickets to support themselves while they're there. Also to raise funds to help do the projects if they're doing a building project. So my friends, missionaries of the cross, soldiers of the cross, oftentimes do pay their own way. Paul and Barnabas paid their own way. He continues, What farmer plants a vineyard and doesn't have the right to eat some of its fruit. What shepherd cares for a flock of sheep and isn't allowed to drink some of the milk? Am I expressing merely a human opinion or does the law say the same thing? For the law of Moses says, you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. Was God thinking only about oxen when he said this? Wasn't he actually speaking to us? Yes, it was written for us so that the one who plows and the one who threshes the grain might both expect and share of the harvest. Since we have planted spiritual seed among you, aren't we entitled a harvest of the physical food and drink? So Paul saying, we are the ones that brought the message to you. We planted the seed of Christ. Should not we be entitled to share in some of your food, to stay in your homes? He says, if you support others who preach to you, shouldn't we have... An even greater right to be supported, but we have never used this right. We would rather put up with anything than be an obstacle to the good news about Christ. Paul was a tent maker, so wherever Paul went, he would work in his occupation of making tents to be able to sell them to be able to support himself. He did not want to be a burden on these young new churches that he had planted. He didn't want to burden them in any way. He didn't want to be a hindrance to them. His goal was to share Christ and grow the church and support himself. Continuing with verse 19, "...even though I am a free man with no master, I had become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ." When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I lived under that law, even though I am not subject to the law. I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from the law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God, I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness." For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. May God add His blessings to the hearing and the reading of His Holy Word. You know, how does an athlete train? They train their body, you know, and it depends on what type of athletics they participate in, they train their bodies differently. You know, you look at football, they've got to train and build and create such muscle in their body to take the, the, the brutal punishment that they take out there in the field. But you take a long-distance runner, they're going to train, they don't need all those big giant bulky muscles like in football players to try to run 26 miles, do they? They train differently. They train for a long endurance. But Paul, I don't think... Yes, I think Paul too had to train his physical body for some things because he endured much with the the, the rigors of the travel. But I believe also he's trained his body to, to resist the temptations. The temptations that may come along the way. It's more than just the physical, but it's the physical, emotional, the mental. Train our bodies to resist the temptations that the devil is going to throw at us. Paul trained himself... He began this passage by defending His apostleship. That He is truly an apostle. He shouldn't have had to defend that right. But He is. That's what He's doing here. Defending that He is truly an apostle of Jesus Christ. He says, Am I not an apostle? Haven't I seen Jesus our Lord with my own eyes? Isn't it because of my work that You belong to the Lord? Even if others think that I am not an apostle, I certainly am to you. He's speaking to the church at Corinth. He's asking them these questions. So what does that tell me? I hope it tells you that there are some within the church that are trying to create division. They're trying to stir things up. They're trying to divide, split and divide. My friends, who is it that tries to destroy the church? Satan. Satan. From the beginning, this is the first century church. From the very beginning, Satan has been trying to divide and destroy the Christian church. We can see it in Paul's teaching. You know, I don't know if everyone read the newspaper last Sunday, but I seen an article. I didn't see it until like Monday or Tuesday. In last Sunday's paper, there's an article in there. So, I mean, I'm not talking about another denomination. If you read the paper, you would have seen it. There is this ongoing battle in the Methodist denomination about whether homosexuals should be ordained and put in the pulpits. This has been raging for 30 years. I'm not saying, saying or speaking anything about it. So as I read this article, they, they have given titles to the two different sides. There's one group within the Methodist denomination that say we need to stick to the doctrine that adheres to the Bible. The say That says that homosexuality does not line up with the, with the Word of God. That those that are openly gay should not be ordained and put in the pulpits. They are calling those, and as you've, if you read that article, you can see that the, uh, the person that wrote the article leans towards the other side. Because they call them the traditionalists. That's what they've tagged those who stand on the Word of God, they call them traditionalists, and they call them mean-spirited. So the other side that says that we should allow openly gay pastors or into the pulpit or teachers or whatever, they call them the inclusiveness, the, the ones that are inclusive, to mean they should include all. So they're saying the others are mean because they won't include everybody. Isn't it something how the devil takes words and makes the good guys sound like the bad guys and the bad guys sound like the good guys? They're trying to divide. In the article, it read that there's a church in Texas. It's a huge church. I think it has like 20,000 members. Well, they are on the all-inclusive side that we should accept everybody into the church. We should allow... I mean, we should accept everybody into the church, but they're saying we should allow anybody behind the pulpit. We should ordain anybody. We should ordain gays. We should ordain lesbians. We should ordain transgender. We should ordain anybody is what they're saying. So this big mega church down there said that they are going to withhold their money from the conference for like a month or two so that they can see what it feels like when their money's not received by the conference. So, you know, if they say that this is the, the way it should be, that it's okay, that's the way God made me so we were talking about this up in Sabbath school, and I thought, like, oh, you're getting into my message. So that's the way God made me, and He loves me. I shouldn't have to repent. No. I wonder how that church would feel if I would fly down to Dallas the next Sunday morning, walk in there, and as soon as they get done taking up the offering, walk up there, just, just go ahead and walk up front, and start stuffing all that offering into my pockets. And the pastor said, say, what are you doing? Well, I'm a thief. But I believe in Jesus, I love Him. I'm a thief, and he may—he still loves me, but it's okay, right? Be okay in Dallas? They'd probably shoot me. No, now, <laughs> but how, how do you think they would receive that? Well, I'm sorry, Pastor. I shouldn't have to repent because I was a thief. Whenever I believed on Jesus, and it must be okay. Now I don't think they'd receive that, my friends. The side that say that we should be all inclusive has no place for repentance. What did Jesus tell the woman that was caught in adultery? Go and sin no more. more. He says, where did your accusers go? Well, they've all left. He says, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. So what's that mean? We're not going to continue to walk in that lifestyle. Yes, He does love them. But He wants them all to walk according to His Word. Do not walk in the things that He says is wrong. We were talking about, what if I turn to be a drunk? Drunk. I need to turn from that. We're not just going to pick on one because it's easy. God said that no drunkards will enter in if they're walking and practicing that. So if I'm a drunk, it's because of my sin I'm not going to enter into heaven. If I'm an adulterer, it's because of my sin that I'm not going to enter into heaven if I don't repent of it. Satan's out to destroy, to divide. With Paul's question in mind, let's get back to an apostle. Exactly what is an apostle? What are the qualifications that makes one an apostle of Jesus Christ? There are those out there that proclaim that there are no apostles today. There can't be any apostles because they say that an apostle had to see Jesus Christ in the flesh. So, there's none left today. That's the teachings of some. We're going to look at this. You know, you can take one passage often and make it fit. We were kind of talking about that too in Sabbath school. Make it fit your way of thinking. But how does the rest of the scripture line up with it? So we're going to look at some. First, how does Strong's or the Greek lexicon define apostle? The Greek lexicon says an apostle is a delegate, a messenger, one sent forth with orders. It's specially applied to the 12, twelve apostles whom Christ selected, out of the multitude of his adherents, to be his constant companions and heralds to proclaim to men the kingdom of God. Strong's Concordance is very similar. It says it is, comes from the word apostolo, means a delegate, especially an ambassador for the gospel, officially a commissioner of Christ, He that is sent. He that is sent. So, let's look at a scripture where they replaced Judas. In Acts chapter 1, verses 18 through 22. Now this man, speaking of Judas, purchased a field with the wages of iniquity. And falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his entrails gushed out. And it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem. So that field is called in their own language... Akil Dama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms. It's amazing to me that this was written in Psalms. Let his dwelling place be desolate, and let no one live in it, and let another take his office. David spoke this in Psalms. Therefore, this is Peter speaking, Therefore of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, Beginning from the baptism of John to, the, to that day that he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So this passage does kind of lean towards, well, it has to be one that's seen Christ. He's saying it had to be one that was with him the whole time, from the baptism till he was taken up. What does Paul say in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 10? says, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that He was buried, that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, He was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. And after that, He was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time for i am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because i persecuted the church of god but by the grace of god i am what i am again paul seems to be placing a lot of emphasis on those who have seen the lord but you know paul himself does not actually meet all the criteria that Peter placed on being an apostle, did he? No. Because Paul was not with him from the time of John's baptism until the time he was resurrected, Was he? Because Paul, at that time, Paul was persecuting the church. So Paul does not meet all of the criteria that Peter laid out. So is there any that, is there any that would say that Paul wasn't an apostle? Now I believe Paul was an apostle, a very great apostle. The first twelve apostles absolutely were very unique among all the apostles. And that they were privileged and blessed to be able to go in and out with Him and be with Him the entire time that He ministered here on the earth. The entire time. From the baptism until the day He was taken up in the clouds. They are very unique in that aspect. They witnessed all of His teaching. Had their private time with Him. But like I said... Paul didn't meet all that, but I truly believe that he is a true apostle. So, this is one of those areas. If you wanted to debate it, you could find some scripture here or scripture there that might back what your opinion is. So, is there apostles today? If we look at the not the strict the sense of it, it's those that are sent. Those that are sent. Do I believe that Jesus can speak to some today through the Holy Spirit and send them? Absolutely. Absolutely. So they may not be one of the original twelve, obviously. But I believe they can still be an apostle. Ephesians 4, through 13 says, And He Himself, speaking of Christ, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints and for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I think the main thing, the main thing is brought out here in emphasis in Ephesians. So the main emphasis is, I don't care what kind of leader He has called you to be, the main thing is that we do it for the right purpose. That it is for the equipping of the saints. It is for the preparing of the ministry to continue. That's what it should be done for. For the edifying of the body of Christ. I think the last part of our passage in 1 Corinthians 9 reveals in my mind what it it truly takes to be a faithful minister of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care what title you give it. I don't care if you want to call, it a, call, a, call us an apostle, a, a deacon, a preacher, or an evangelist, whatever. I don't, I'm not really that keen on titles, really. I'm really not. Just live the life. Do what we're called to do. You know, was Wednesday night in Bible study, we were kind of talking. that seems the church today, the church as a whole, does a lot of talking. We need to do a lot more doing. We need to be more active. I want to reread the last part from chapter 9. For even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people, emphasis, to bring many to Christ. That's the key. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under the law. Even though I am not subject to the law, he knew he had the liberty. But I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I was with the Gentiles who do not follow the law, the Jewish law, I too lived apart from the law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share in their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. Paul's saying, he is a free man. When he's saying, I am a free man and I am no man, no man is my master, he is not meaning that Jesus Christ is not his master. He is meaning that there is no man on this earth that is his master. That only Jesus Christ is his master. He had every right to receive that financial support from that church in Corinth. But he supported himself so he would not be a slave to anyone in that church. You better believe that there are many pastors over the years, over the centuries, that would soften up the message so they wouldn't offend someone in the church because that one's a big giver in my church. Man, if I offend that one and he leaves, I might get a cut in my wages. I might not enjoy all these pleasures and the good things that I enjoy. Paul was not beholden to any man, only to Christ. He preached the true gospel. The unadulterated truth of the Word of God. The Apostle Paul was driven by one thing and one thing only. To do everything in his power and his ability to bring people to Jesus Christ. When he was with those who strictly followed the law... He followed the law. If he was with those that said, we don't eat pork chops and sausage and we don't eat shrimp and we don't eat that stuff, guess what? He didn't eat it either. Because he didn't want to sit down at the table and them be offended and say, look what he's eating. How does he have that freedom? But if he were with those that, man, they had themselves an Italian sausage sandwich, guess what? He had one too. because he didn't want them to say, well, maybe we shouldn't be eating this. Remember what we learned in chapter 8? Food does not commend us to God, brothers and sisters. It's not what goes in, but it's what comes out. As I said before, we might be a little less healthy if we eat some of the things that God said we shouldn't shouldn't be eating but it's not going to commend us to God. If he's among the weak, be weak. If he's among the strong, he was strong. If he was among those that were mourning, he'd mourn with them. And when he said that he was not without the law toward God, it means he did not sin. He did not sin. He did not say, if I was among the sexually immoral, I was sexually immoral also. No. He didn't say, I became a drunk so I could minister to the drunkard. Not those things, but the things that aren't pertinent to salvation. Things that we eat. If he wanted to sit down and eat meat that was offered to an idol, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, he had the freedom to eat it. But if he was among those that was afraid to eat it, he didn't eat it. All to share Christ, deny self. For the sake of others. That's what Paul did. Deny his freedoms, deny his liberties for the sake of the gospel. Are we willing? That's what we can and should do. That's what can and should happen when we have an encounter with Jesus Christ. Paul had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And when we have an encounter with Christ, we should do everything in our power to witness the good news, to deny self. I found a little story called Self-Denial, and the author is unknown. It says, I had walked life's path with an easy tread, had followed where comfort and pleasure led, and then by chance in a quiet place I met my, fa- my master face to face, with station and rank and wealth for gold, much thought for body but none for soul. I had entered to win this life, life's mad race. When I met my master face to face... I had built my castles, reared them high till their towers had pierced the blue sky. I had sown to rule with an iron mace. When I met my master face to face, I met him and knew him and blushed to see that his eyes full of sorrow were fixed on me. And I faltered and fell at his feet that day while my castles vanished and melted away. Melted and vanished and in their place I saw not else but my master's face. And I cried aloud, O make me meet to follow the marks of thy wounded feet. My thought is now for the souls of men. I have lost my life to find it again. Ever since alone on that holy place, my master and I stood face to face. He can melt away all the things of the world that our hearts long for when we have an encounter with Jesus. Are we willing to deny self for the good of others? Are we willing to come out of our comfort zones for the good of the souls of others? You know, it may mean being around people that are a lot different than us. It might mean being around people whose color of their skin is different than ours. It might mean being around people that have tattoos all over their body. It might mean being around people with real long, dirty hair. Or people with no hair. I don't know. It might mean being around people who eat grasshoppers. I don't care what they eat. It might mean they smell bad. I don't know. But are we willing to come out of our comfort zone and be around anybody and everybody for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ? To share the good news that they can share in the blessings of Christ. That was Paul's purpose. Let us come out of our comfort zones. I found another article about how people love their comfort. It was called Escalators, Anyone. The following information was taken from registration sheets and comment cards returned to the staff of Bridger Wilderness Area in Wyoming in 1996. First comment, the trails need to be wider so people can walk and hold hands. Number two, trails need to be reconstructed. Please avoiding trails that go uphill. It's too strenuous. Number three, too many bugs and leeches and spiders and spider webs. Please spray the wilderness to rid the area of these pests. Please pave the trails so they can be plowed in the winter so there will be no snow. Chairlifts need to be in some places so that we can get a wonderful view without having to strenuously hike up that hill. Number six, the coyotes made so much noise last night night I lost sleep. Can you please eradicate the wilderness of these annoying animals? A small deer came into my camp and stole my jar of pickles. Is there any way I can be reimbursed? Reflectors need to be placed on trees every 50 feet so people can hike at night with flashlights. Escalators would be helpful in the steep sections. A McDonald's would be good at the trailhead. Could you please install one of those? The places where trails do not exist are really not well marked. Too many rocks in the mountains. You know, I wonder what kind of comments we'd get if we had comment cards in the back of the church. The pews are too hard. The back of the pews are too straight. The sermon's too long. The sermon's too short. I don't like that kind of music you guys sing. Can we change the music? I don't like the hour of the service. I have to get up. I I really could use my sleep. I mean, come on. We could go on and on and on. We need to come out of our comfort zones. We need to come out of it for the good of others. For the souls of others. We need to run with purpose. As Paul said, every step, every step he took was for one purpose only. The gospel of Jesus Christ to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to those who did not know him friends that needs to be the church's purpose today it needs to be our purpose winning others to Christ are we willing to deny ourselves it may mean going to Bangladesh she knew I was going to say that i don't know what they eat over there i'm scared to find out but we might but we might I remember many years ago at Holy Cross, a Methodist church, one gentleman got up and sang a song, Please don't send me to Africa. (laughs) But God might call us to Africa. He might call you to Africa. He might call you to Bangladesh. He might call you to South America. I don't know. He might call you to go down to that area in your community that you try to avoid where they are different than we are. A different community, different, they look different, they smell different. He might call us to go there. Are we willing to deny ourselves and step out of that comfort zone that we hey, we like our comforts, don't we? We like the familiar. I tell you that is a human nature. I don't care if we're talking about the church or anywhere. The human nature is we don't like change. We like comfort, and we like you know we like our own little world. Don't change it. Are we willing to step out of it? We might be put on a ship like Paul was, and shipwrecked. We might be beaten for the sake of the gospel. It still happens today. We might be persecuted greatly, but are we willing to take that step? Make every step be with purpose the purpose of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. I pray that God will strengthen us, encourage us, and I pray that we would be willing to have the boldness and the courage to say, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Amen.